from the at-home studios of Nebraska Extension 4-H Youth Development Coordinators, it's PYD in 3. everyone to episode four of PYD in three. My name is Ashley Benish and I'm here with Maria Walker and we are 4-H Youth Development Coordinators with Nebraska Extension. And we are highlighting a pretty important and timely topic today. We're talking about youth mental health. So Maria, you know, just thinking through youth mental health and, and where we are right now with um, re-entry into programs and schools and, and different things like that. Initial thoughts on the topic. Well, this topic is multi-layered. I just want to go ahead and acknowledge that from the start. And I also want to name that typically you and I have a pretty playful interaction in the podcast. That's part of, I think it's charm. Uh, and But it's hard to play with something this heavy, right? This youth mental health, it's so precious and and something that we want to protect and take very seriously. So I don't I wonder how that will affect our tone for today. I just want listeners to know that we still are the same playful too, but that we are taking this very seriously because it is a very serious topic. And so that's kind of my initial reaction as we move into the podcast and begin to explore youth mental health and what that looks like today and um, how we interact with that as youth development professionals. Thanks for that, Maria. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a it's a little I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous to cover this topic. I don't know about you, but I it is so important, especially especially now, but always, right? And, and we need to be talking about it probably more and more openly. So I am here for that and excited to get started and dive into the topic a little more today. So for those of you, we'll reiterate again our our format for those of you who maybe are listening for the first time. We're really broken up into three segments. So our first segment of PYD in three is really breaking down the topic of the day um, in three minutes or less. And, and we give Maria that challenge each time to set her timer and, and cover the topic in three minutes or less. And if that's all you have time for today, um, that's a great, a great place to start in thinking about youth, youth mental health. Our second segment, we interview an expert. Um, who can help us think a little further about the topic. And our expert today is Dr. Michelle Crable with Nebraska Extension. So we're very excited to interview interview her and get her insights into youth mental health and some work she's done um, in that topic area. And then our third segment is just Maria and I breaking down what we've learned a little bit and what we've talked through about youth mental health and applying it to our daily work. So Maria, get your timer ready. Three okay. minutes or less. Put it over here to we, you. Here we go. Start. Well, one thing, the first thing I'll lead with is that the context of the lives of youth have really shifted in the last year and a half. We all know that, but I want to name it and just bring it out to the forefront that the experience of youth, the patterns that maybe they interacted in, um, really abruptly changed over a year ago, and that that has had impacts that we just cannot foresee or um, have not developed a deep understanding about yet. I think folks are exploring it, beginning to explore it. We're beginning to see the impacts and the influence of that, uh, but we don't quite have our finger on it yet. And that feels kind of scary or uh, uncertain as folks who want to be really confident youth development practitioners. We just don't have that information yet. What we do know is that youth are facing several challenges currently. Uh, Things like parental job loss, isolation, some financial strain, a deep sense of uncertainty, um, and then that their families, the folks with whom they share all this space with, may be operating in a familial stress response. Uh, 
And that may lead to increase of abuse, both physical and maybe substance abuse within the home. And so just a real challenge for youth to navigate those layers in a healthy way. We know that rites of passage for youth and routines have been severely altered as graduations went away last year and even this year are still influenced to some extent in the capacity of folks to interact with them or the loving adults in their lives to participate. That still has a big influence in their lives currently. Um, The predictability of the day often is eliminated and it creates a real lack of security. And so uh, that, of course, impacts mental health. Fear and worry and anxiety uh, has increased. We know that amongst youth and that um, now they are more vulnerable to poor mental health um, and that they may be operating every day primarily from a stress response, which those are the stress responses are fight, flight or freeze. And if you're constantly in that stress response because of the level of uncertainty, you're always thinking about fight, flight, or freeze. If you're always operating from fight, flight, or freeze, that certainly has a negative impact on physical and mental health. You may hear my chimes in the background. That means my three minutes are up. Well done, Maria. Oh, thanks. That's a lot of information. It's a lot, uh, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to think about, which is exactly what we're going to be doing through our time today. And, and I think it's fair to say neither of us are are youth mental health experts. I know most of our listeners would never consider themselves that either. Um, but it's an awareness. And so, you know, we always want to be aware of the challenges that youth are facing, and this is a big one. So definitely interested to hear a little bit more about what Michelle Crable has to say and, and her insights into this topic and, and get a little further into it today. Me too, Ashley. Thanks for that. Well, Ashley, with that being said, why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest today? Yeah, I certainly can, Maria. So joining us for our second segment will be Dr. Michelle Crable. And Michelle is a 4-H Youth Development Specialist uh, here in Nebraska and has done quite a bit of work with youth mental health programming across the state. Great. I look forward to speaking with her. Well, that's a wrap on our first segment of PYD in 3. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back to segment two, episode four of PYDN3. We are here talking today about youth mental health. And with us is Dr. Michelle Crable, um, who is a youth 4-H development specialist with Nebraska Extension. Happy to have you, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Ashley. So Maria, this is a topic that definitely um, is a little heavier than our normal content. I think it's one that I know I have had to do a little bit more homework before we enter today's podcast. Well, as we mentioned in the previous segment of PYD and three that usually we're pretty playful, Michelle, uh, as we talk about these topics for positive youth development. But um, we just want to acknowledge with you, if you've listened before, that we, we we understand the seriousness of this. And so perhaps there'll be a lot, a few less giggles and um, some heartfelt moments as we talk about something like youth mental health. It's so important, as you know, and I'm so glad that we have a resource like you who can speak very directly and frankly about it uh, as we learn together as youth development practitioners. Yes, Ashley, I felt like I needed to work a little harder to prepare because I just didn't know. And that had my own feelings of what have I not been doing or pursuing in order to be prepared? But Maybe, Michelle, you can react to that and give us some insight. Well, thank you for the kind words, and I appreciate being a part of the conversation today. What I want to say is it is important for us to um, laugh in this topic. While it is a very serious and heavy topic, we also need to learn, I think, to be silly a little bit and to learn to laugh at ourselves. And so I don't want to discredit this important topic of mental health and mental illness. The topic is important. I think the topic is very important. However, 
it doesn't need to be so important that we're scared to talk about it or that we're scared to address it. What we need to do is um, also maybe talk about it with a sense of play as well. It is a very sacred topic. It is a very important topic to talk about, but it doesn't mean that we can't have some moments of being a little bit lighter. And I think those are important. We're, we're humans. We can't have 100% intensity all the time. I appreciate that, Michelle, because I think that it is one of those topics that people are a little afraid of. It's a little scary and and none of us certainly are mental health experts, right? And so we're, we're working through this. We're working with the youth that have challenges in our programs. And so I think it's definitely something to be aware of, but not be afraid of to, to broach that topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to really take time to do some of the things that maybe came natural. And those things that we did maybe that were just natural, like just checking in with a young person, are things that help with good mental health and coping and and developing connection. And so I think those are important things. Sometimes we think we need to do X, Y, and Z, and we need to be trained in X, Y, and Z program. But the reality is some of the stuff that we naturally do are some of the most important things you can do um, for your own mental health, as well as the mental health of young people. Michelle, this is one reason why I appreciate having you as a colleague and also as a guest on our show, because you give us permission to do what we think we can't or should not do, right? You say it's okay to, to play with this or to talk about it and to hold it as sacred. All those things are okay. So I know I actually said thanks, but I just want to reiterate it and that there is fear about talking about this. So thanks for just saying, I give us all permission to do, do this. It's an extremely important topic to talk about, um, but we need to talk about it together as a community, as families, as 4-H clubs, um, as youth development professionals. We cannot no longer talk about this. This has to be a conversation that we engage in often. So as we enter these conversations, What I'm curious about is what do we really know about mental health, particularly associated with the past year and the COVID-19 pandemic? So that's an excellent question. Uh, The challenge is that good research cannot really kind of keep pace with what's happened. And the pandemic was really challenging for researchers to conduct some research. But what we do know, if we look at the Youth Risk Behavior Survey from um, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, we found that rates of depression and anxiety and even uh, suicide rates were increasing up. And that was a trend that people were worried about pre-pandemic. So the speculation, and there's a few studies out there, there's some China studies, a few studies out there that say, hey, we're seeing anxiety and depression increase in the age of COVID, which makes, is just common sense, right? So when young people are isolated, um, when they were taken out of schools, they may have fear about how they're going to have a meal because they no longer, no longer fed with school lunches. Um, They may have to take on more economic responsibilities because a parent or someone in their family has lost work and they now have had to engage in their own employment to help the family out. There's a variety of reasons why young people may be feeling more depressed or anxious. And again, those numbers were concerned pre-pandemic. What I've been reading has said, the speculation is those numbers have only gotten worse during the pandemic. We don't know that. We don't have some hard numbers on those to say that X percentage has done this or X percentage has done that. But to say that um, young people got better during the pandemic would be a fallacy, right? And so to think about what was happening before, what the pandemic did, there's a there's some there's alarm for concern here about how we as adults need to providing a really caring and positive environment for young people. Well, one thing I noticed in my own home, I have two girls, 12 and 13 was a real loss of structure, particularly when we came home to virtual school, even the summer, not being able to do certain activities or experience that normal summer. And even throughout this past school year, some things have been 
to the point where there's a real loss of structure. Now, I, I have to admit, we're not a particularly structured home. We are uh, we're kind of free, and that's okay. Uh, if you want a low-stress environment, come see the walkers. We're mm-hmm. going to be there for you in that. But I know the importance of structure to mental health. And so what are you seeing about that loss of structure? There has there was one study done in Ireland that that pointed that that loss of structure may be adding to more anxiety and depression type symptoms, which makes sense. Children may bulk against structure, um, but they really like it. They like the nine o'clock bedtime. They like knowing that their caregiver says X or Y, and that's the particular boundary that they shouldn't cross. They like structure, even though a young you say, oh, young children don't like structure. They actually do. They really crave it. We know that some good parenting is around um, providing structure. The other thing you, you're talking to a little bit about, Maria, is this idea of ritual. We lost some important ritual. So whether it be that the Walker family, I'm going to pick on the Walker family today, whether it be that the Walker family does X, Y, and Z during um, summer, some of those things didn't happen. And even your, even though your girls may complain bitterly about, oh, that's so silly or that's whatever, deep down we know that young people love that kind of tradition and that ritual and that, that time with family. And that's a real loss. So if you weren't able to have big things like graduations But you may have lost little things like going out for ice cream after the school year or celebrating the final report card or um, having a picnic or whatever. There were things that were lost that may have sound really insignificant. I think of summer camp. And if you really looked forward to summer camp, if you were one of those young people where summer camp was your thing and you lost out on the opportunity to do summer camp, that's a real loss. So some of that loss of structure, loss of ritual is really significant. And every young person is going to kind of process and deal with that differently. So it's a really important question. Um, What we as adults can do is provide um, structure, um, have conversations with our young people about what structure do they need to feel safe and secure. I keep thinking we even with our staff talk a lot about this, the sense of mourning almost. So these things that we weren't able to do in 2020. And so as we kind of start to open up again, how do we really reintroduce some of these things back into our daily lives? Cause we are used to now not having them. So what are the important pieces and how do we, I don't want to say make up for 2020, but in some, some people's minds, that's really what they want. So that's a great question. And one, I wish I had the answer to. And if I did have the answer to, I might be a New York bestseller (laughs) because I, I don't know. I've been personally, I've just, I've been racking my brains about what does that look like? And one of the fun things in my job is I get to train camp staff. And um, not only am I going to do it for our 4-H camp staff, but I'm also going to do it for the camp that I grew up in, which is about 30 miles from where my family lives, my my parents still live in Kansas. And I've come up with a theme this year. It's all about feeling safe and secure, Um, safe and included. How do we help young people feel safe and included? And security is a part of that. And I think that's part of it's also checking in. Like Maria was talking about, how do you check in with your young people that you're connected with to see how they're doing? we're going to fumble on this. And this is kind of my giving permission is we're going to make some mistakes of this. But I think the important thing is that we keep lines of communication open with young people about what do they need from us as adults um, and what can we do to help support them? Um, So I kind of, I keep going back to my theme this summer for myself as I train, as I work is feeling safe and included. What does it mean to feel safe and included? And I think that's a good, what I would call bottom line question for decision-making as you interact and work with youth this summer is in this moment, what does it mean for the youth to feel safe and included? I can't shake the image of Linus and his blanket. That might be too juvenile for this, but it just reminds me of Michelle maybe holding a image of Linus in his blanket or, or that you of the blanket that Linus can attach himself to. 
um, that connection that he has to that sense of safety in that blanket and uh, the way he carries it everywhere. It's funny that you, you use this, um, that analogy, because I'm a huge Peanuts fan. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm a huge Peanuts fan. And so I love the analogy. I think the idea, I love the idea about the blanket, because now you've kind of made me think about, oh my gosh, I could use this in X, Y, and Z way. But I think what's, what's interesting about the blanket, we don't know where that blanket came from. Maybe Linus's um, grandparent gave him that blanket. And that that's why it gives him a sense of almost superhero, right? There are times during the comic strip, he puts that um, that blanket around as a cape. And so if we want to think about what are we doing, what kind of security blank are we give, blanket are we giving young people that gives them superpowers, that makes them kind of get through difficult experiences. And a difficult experience can maybe just figuring out where you're going to sit at lunch. Or it can also be, I think about going back to camp, I've been thinking a lot about camp a lot, is the nights when you're homesick and you don't want to admit to your counselor that you're homesick because really during the day, it's a lot of fun. But when at the end of the week, you have the time of your life and you gained a skill that you can get yourself through some challenging times like homesickness and missing home at night. And so that that security blanket can also be our cape too. So great analogy, Maria. Great analogy. Well, well, you just knocked it out of the park with that connection of superpower. I don't, people, of course, listening can't see, but I, I just did a fist pump when you said that. Like, hallelujah, Michelle, that's exactly what I want for youth and for, uh, for even adults to experience that we empower them to use it as a, as their superpower as their cape love it we're talking a lot about this in context with the pandemic because how how do we avoid it how can we ignore that we can't but we, as you've mentioned before we knew going into the covid-19 pandemic that this was an issue and that there were some needs around youth mental health and so ultimately what we do in youth development work is try to build those skills build those resiliency skills those superpowers as you're talking about them so what, are, what does that look like and when we think about building resiliency in youth and what are some of those coping skills that they have already? Well, that's, a, again, another excellent question. Um, this is really about, I, I can't say this enough, but I feel like I say it all the time, is about it's a relationship with a caring adult. Um, I think about James Garbarino, who at one point um, after the Columbine shootings, and I'm dating myself here, talked about having someone have every young person should have someone in their life that is absolutely crazy about them. And I'll never forget that because there were such interesting things that happened kind of post Columbine. And it was a time in U.S. history when we did start really talking about what's good for young people. Unfortunately, we haven't continued some of those same conversations, but this is a great step in, in having some of that conversation. So connection with a caring adult. Every young person needs someone who's absolutely crazy about them. We need to develop things like competence, um, that if a young person um, faces some kind of adversity, that they know how to overcome that. And there are some things that we naturally do um, to overcome adversity, whether it is um, we try it again, we elicit help from someone, um, whether it is we learn more so we can overcome things. There's a variety of ways we do that. But we want to give young people skills to overcome some of that adversity. Um, and those are things like how do you cope with failure? How do you um, talk about some of those feelings? Um, how do you uh, take care of yourself if life has been disappointing? And I'm going to give you guys a little 411 here, but life is disappointing. Um, and the commercials don't tell us that, but it is. And I think one of the greatest gifts we can give young people is how to deal with disappointment. And so whether it is things like you learn to, uh, you take a walk when you need to sort out your feelings. Uh, for me, it's engaging in a hobby. That hum of that sewing machine and being creative, using my hands, stepping away from a screen, 
all of those are things that I can do that gave me some new perspective on something that's been disappointing or that's been kind of a letdown. Building character, helping young people know what's right or wrong or what is, and character is also about being compassionate. So if I engage in helping others, I kind of forget about what my problems, right? And so I can gain a new perspective. And so there are so many things that as adults, and I keep going back to this is our role as adults, um, whether you're a parent, whether you're a youth worker, whether you're a school teacher, uh, whether you're an administrator or policymaker. And I, I certainly think we need to hear poli- have policymakers hear more of what we're talking about, that we need to help young people be successful and give them the skills that they need, um, the competencies they need. They know how to cope so they can deal with life dis- disappointments. And it's not found in unhealthy ways. Alcohol, drugs, there's a variety of ways that that can be unhealthy. I appreciate the 401 reference. Also the hot take, uh, as I hear young people use that phrase, this is a hot take, that life is disappointing and that we maybe don't acknowledge that enough. I will, I will throw back to my college days. I had the same college roommate for three years and her dad was terrific. Shout out to James Kiefer. He would leave us when he would visit and say, remember, life is not fair. And boys will lie to you. Good night. <laughs> I'm not sure about that second piece of advice. We can unpack that later. But he was just real direct. Like, remember, life's not fair. Bye-bye. You know? It's like, oh, yep. I had I have heard that consistently in my young and now moving into middle adulthood. So so I appreciate you regrounding us in that reality. Like, look. We have to all deal with disappointment at some time in our lives, even young people, and helping them walk through that in a healthy way is so important. There there were a lot of things in the last year that were very disappointing, a lot of rituals lost. I actually think that's one of the biggest um, things, gifts we can give our children is the ability to learn how to deal with life's disappointment. And I may, that makes me sound like I'm a Debbie Downer here, but that's, there's reality, whether it's you don't win the spelling bee, um, whether it is um, somebody that you're interested in romantically could care less about you, to whether it is you didn't get the job you wanted. Um, we deal with lots of disappointments all throughout our lives. Some of them are more significant than others. Um, But having those coping skills to move forward um, and to see the disappointments as a part of life's journey and knowing how to um, kind of work through those and get to the other side are extremely important. And I just think as parents, the more I as as I've done a lot of reflecting on the pandemic, um, disappointment and loss has been a lot of the things I've thought about. And how do we as a society How do we as adults um, really help our young people and give them the skills to keep moving forward? Well, I don't know about you, Ashley and Michelle, but I've flagged about five topics for follow-up episodes (laughs) during our time together. Like, oh, we need to look at that and that and that for a deeper dive uh, because it's our content, in my opinion, my humble opinion, has been so rich up to this point. So I appreciate that. We took a brief pause there in our conversation with Michelle to, to check on time and things like that. And as we re-entered our conversation, I heard you mutter one sentence, Michelle, that we maybe didn't pick up on the recording. Can you say that again? You know, I this is going to be a very direct statement, but the more I do youth work and I've been doing it for X amount of years, I'm not going to disclose that. Um, I already, I already let my age out a little bit by the Columbine reference. I simply think adults need to be adults. And that means that we, we learn to sacrifice. Uh, We put the needs of children first. We look long-term about their growth and development And if that means that I don't get to watch my favorite TV show or whatever, it means that I am in making an investment in the life of a child that is much more long-term than the next hour. And so there's lots of times when I've been watching the news or reading something 
And I'll simply say, we just need to be adults. And adults doing the right thing, and we look long-term, and we make sacrifices so that our young people can have rich, fulfilling lives. I think adults have that also when they step into their adulthood. This is number six topic for a future podcast, actually. But um, yeah, I heard you say, just be the adult. And I thought, let we need to highlight that because that's a great summary for a lot of what we've said today. That means reaching out, initiating the reach out, making the connection, being prepared to engage with youth, acknowledging loss and not being afraid to talk about it. Um, that you're the one whose brain can and uh, have maybe have a life enough life experience to where you can lead kind of a hard conversation and also acknowledge, you know what, it's time to play. Let's play. And then you can, of course, always lead together in that. But be the adult, folks. Yeah. And that I, I, the way I said it, I felt kind of that feels kind of judgmental. So I, I mean that just own your get what you can give to young people from your adult perspective at this time at this time. Yeah, I agree, Marie. And I think for me, as you're saying that, uh, Michelle, it made me think of I at least multiple times a week, I say, oh, adulting. Right. And, <laughs> and that's always in the context of, of making a sacrifice for something, having to give something up, or sometimes it's bills and finances and doing the adult things. Right. But it's kind of flipping the script for me a little bit in that sometimes that adulting isn't, isn't just about me and it's not just about my needs. And so maybe that will help me think a little bit differently, a little different lens for the adulting mind frame. And one parting thought I will say in conversations I've had with young people, and I've, my conversations the last year have been very limited, but in the conversations I've had with young people, they want us. They want relationships with us. They want to tell us these things. They want to hear from our experiences. I'm amazed at my undergraduate student workers, what they tell me, and they're asking for my opinion on these things. What do you think, Michelle? What, what about this? And so... I, don't, I hope it's not a myth or not a, an uncommon thought that young people don't want to interact with adults. They absolutely do. Maybe you have to get past a little bit of an attitude or whatever at first, but make the investment. They want relationships with adults. Um, they're craving that. Absolutely craving that. Well, Michelle, there's a little ritual on our podcasts that we ask all guests to participate in uh, at the end of their segment. So we're going to invite you to participate in that ritual right now. And we ask our guests to identify what are their three? What's your PYD in three? Oh, gosh, you stole my, you stole my, my be the adult is what my big one. I can still be. Well, yeah, or it, that's three it words. I'm also kind of like be the adult. I also what I also want to say is enjoy young people. Like be the adult, enjoy young people, and maybe we're in this together. I love that. I think all and of I those love- could be a t-shirt. Like yeah. I want like a t-shirt of every one of those as just a daily reminder of all yeah. of that. That's a part of our swag giveaway for this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Be the adult. That's great. That was good. Be the adult. Enjoy young people. And what was the other? We're in this together. We're in this together. Michelle, thank you so much. That that is perfect. Pyd in three. What you just said, and it's probably going to launch another type of podcast that features just you. So we are so grateful for your time today. I've enjoyed it so much, and I hope listeners can enjoy it as well. Thanks for being here. It was my pleasure. I I certainly enjoyed the conversation. Welcome back to our third segment of episode four, PYD and three, talking about youth mental health today. And we were just joined in segment two by Dr. Michelle Craybull talking a little bit more about um, some of the work and some of the research she's looked into around youth mental health in this in this time of COVID and, and re-entry after the pandemic, but also all the time and, and kind of what youth were facing prior to, to COVID-19 pandemic. And so Maria, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways initially from that conversation? It was a, it was a great conversation with Michelle. Well, the first thing that really stood out to me is when she said, 
we were facing this before that, you know, a lot of talk has been around COVID and even we kicked off our uh, podcast today, our episode with what's happening with youth mental health wise and COVID. But she was just very frank in saying, look, this is, we've been talking about this long before COVID. It's been an issue for youth before uh, the pandemic hit. And so that to me was an aha moment to connect with what was going on with mental health and youth, even pre-2020, and to be aware that this is not new. And it's not a new issue for youth to face and that youth development practitioners have seen these things before, maybe not quite to the scale that we're experiencing now, but it's definitely nothing new. How about you, Ashley? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm slow here. I'm just processing. And I, I agree with that. I think that was a really good way to start off and just the conversation about, you know, these are challenges that youth often face. And we've, we have seen that before, but we don't know what it's going to look like. Right. I think that's the big question mark. You know, the research and the data is not quite there yet on, on 2020. And so it's a little bit of us guessing, uh, which of course we can make some assumptions and, and try to try to figure out how to proceed. And I think that that's where a lot of our listeners are probably thinking like, what do do I do with this information? How do I proceed in my day to day? And, and I think Michelle had some great insights into that. And I appreciated her saying, you know, I think she said, take the time to do things that come natural and we are youth development professionals. So yeah, checking in with youth and, and doing those things that that do come naturally or should come naturally. I think when we think in the context of youth mental health, it's scary. It's something that um, makes us a little nervous and gives us a little bit of pause. So I I appreciated her starting out by saying, this is, you know, keep doing what you're doing basically. Well, and honestly, it's kind of convicting for me in a way, because I assume that if mental health issues are present in youth, that um, maybe they should be treated a bit more gently as opposed to her um, direction of do things that feel natural (laughs) and treating teenagers like we're all walking on eggshells may like in theory feel natural uh, for whatever bad rap teenagers or um, preteens get. But when we actually interact with them, we, we don't walk on eggshells. We assume our adult you know, position and we guide on the side and all those phrases in 4-H and youth development and empower them to make decisions about their lives. But I've found just reflecting on my interaction with teenagers in the last few months that maybe I was being pretty delicate with them. And that really does them a disservice to uh, assume that there's some fragility or weakness because they've struggled with the pandemic when actually they're probably quite strong and resilient. They've learned how to be that in this last year and encouraging them to lean into that in order to learn and experience with me. So in this moment, I'm realizing, hmm, maybe some mistakes have been made on my part in the last few months uh, that I'm I'm probably going to change moving forward. I think we're all in that boat. We're not perfect. We're not, we're all trying to figure mm-hmm. out the best approach, but I, I like a teenager. I think teenagers are fun. I don't, I don't know. I, they do get a bad rap though. It's just in, in having to, you know, engage them differently and interact differently. But I, I always think that they have great senses of humor and kind of get me in that way. So I always appreciate them. <laughs> well, you know, Michelle said she dated and aged herself, but she, I was right along with her in that aging process. I've been in youth development long enough to know that, that a bit ago in 1999 and a few years before how we understood adolescence was a time of like storm. And those words were used in the literature as opposed to now where we're talking about positive youth development and appreciating what youth bring to the table And so that's that bad rap, right? It's that former understanding of how adolescent is, storm and struggle, as opposed to strengths and innovation and and energy is how we can see youth today. So maybe I'm just stuck in a little bit of the 1990s understanding 
of adolescent development with assuming there might be some fragile pieces with youth mental health. So I'm going to reconnect to some of this PYD language that we love to talk about. That's a great point, Maria. We're always shifting. We're always learning. We're always growing, right? Yeah. Um, I did appreciate her comments too about, you know, youth being more resilient than, than sometimes we give them credit for. And that's really what we're doing in youth work is hoping to build those resiliency skills. And she, she named those and talking about compassion and connection and competence and creating, you know, competent, uh, young adults, character building, all of those things that we know of as the, the five C's, right. Six C's. And so it makes complete sense that, you know, to tie those, those pieces in from a mental health standpoint and creating resiliency. Yeah. Good old rich learner got it right. (laughs) Uh, And still does regarding that. I love what she had to say about connection and how that will be a large and is a large part of moving forward in our work with youth and quite frankly, with each other as we collaboratively work with youth. And I love that she brought up the study that, you know, a protective factor for youth is that um, I think she said something like, They have someone in their life that's totally crazy about them. I know she didn't mean like American Idol crazy. (laughs) Do you remember when that first came on and parents were like, you're the best singer in the world. And they were not the best singer in their hometown, even, you know, or something like that. Not, Not crazy about them like that, like false sense of identity, creating that false sense of identity, but a, a caring adult who really loves them and believes in them and is connecting with them. And so um, that's a huge protective factor for youth. That's what we found in, in the literature, that if you have that presence of a caring adult, that can protect youth from so many, in, from internalizing so many obstacles or challenges that life may present uh, to that youth. And I love thinking about that. That always reminds me of who those adults were in my life, um, those inside and outside my family, and thinking about what a gift it could be to be that for some young person today. Your American Idol reference made me think (laughs) of of another thing that, that Michelle had mentioned, and that is Um, youth learning to fail. And so it isn't Mm -hmm. that we're creating this bubble where everything they do is amazing and perfect, giving them opportunity to fail and and learning to work through that as young people, because adulting and life is hard. So, you know, getting prepared for that, there's going to be disappointments and there's going to be failure. And and I think that that's definitely something to remember. You know, we, we can't always set youth up for um, to have all the successes and everything they do, but but they can learn to to take some of those times when they aren't successful with taking on the chin. Yeah, disappointment is is a daily reality in adulthood for sure, and maybe teenagers would say in their adolescence as well. But in the Walker home, I like to say this: we say fail is first attempt in learning. So we fail every day. <laughs> we make some attempt to learn and just try to pick ourselves up and keep going. I remember when one of my children was going out auditioning for something and before she opened the letter, if she got it or not, she just kept sitting there saying, it will be okay. Regardless of what happens, it will be okay. You know, just kind of a mantra that I know that her dad and I had said over and over again about our own life situations. Um, She was just convincing herself in that moment, whatever this says, it will be okay. That's a great coping, coping strategy. I love that. That's actually, that that is, you know, a good old positive self-talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was hoping that they would pick up on that. uh, And hopefully some people listening will too. That positive self-talk can go a long way. You may, it may seem or feel silly, But I'm here to tell you, that to me is a secret for dealing with disappointment. And if you can't do it for yourself, maybe call a buddy who can talk you through it too. So dealing with disappointment and failure, that is such a reality. I used to, when I would teach leadership development classes to young adults, I would always have a session on learning to juggle. Now, I can't juggle, Ashley, at all. I was like, is this a secret skill that I didn't know? (laughs) No, not at all. And most of the folks I worked with could not. It was rare that one person would say, oh, I already know how to juggle. 
Oh, okay. Because and failure was inevitable. Especially it's it was especially interesting to watch conference room full of high achieving leaders try to juggle for the first time the embarrassment, the feeling overwhelmed, the flush on their face as they realize I, I actually can't do something. Yeah, you can't. Like that's part of it is learning how to feel these feelings and be okay with that and that it could can inform you in your forward move it movement, or you can have a new appreciation for clowns. I don't know. One of those things can come out of learning to juggle. If you want to teach some humility to yourself or others, have a juggling session. <laughs> That's our next opportunity for PD in person. We'll do that. I'm adding to the list. We have this long running <laughs> list of all the things that we want to do and offer. So let's go on there. Indeed. So Maria, it's time. Okay. We talk about our, our PYD and three, our takeaways. So I'm going to ask you first, what's, what's your PYD and three from the conversation today? My first is the idea. Don't be scared to talk about it. The scare and the fear may come from the fact that we are not mental health practitioners, but we're humans. We're adults that care about young people. And so we might not have the answer, but we know how to listen. We know how to connect them to resources that can help them in some way, shape, or form. But don't be scared to talk about it. You don't have to have all the answers, but you you do need to be the adult that cares enough to talk about it. That's probably my first thing that stood out to me the most. Um, And then second, actually, you've already mentioned it in this third segment, but do things that feel natural. Um, checking in. I even wrote play in my notes, like continue to play. Um, whatever that looks like between you and the youth with whom you're working. I think play is so underrated uh, when it comes to learning and in relationship building. I, I think it needs to happen first. And that brings about that relationship development. And um, which ultimately leads to the significant learning and influence in the young person's life. So finding the play that makes sense for that young person or that group and leaning into it, being willing to play the board game with them or, um, you know, walk silly or with them as you're doing line dance. That doesn't make sense. So play the board game with them. Learn the line dance and dance with them. Something like that. Uh, do what feels natural. And then third is be the adult. That was just a kind of off comment Michelle was making, but I I heard her and I said, we need to capitalize on this. Um, And being the adult means being ready, I think, to be there for youth. So that means taking care of yourself as an adult to be able to um, support youth in their journey. And I think it also involves modeling some of that for youth, self-care, self-sustainability. And then uh, also it's okay to say, you know, that maturation is a good thing and it might not make you the coolest but it certainly makes you the adult in the room and helps contribute to some wisdom that's present. So those are my three. Don't be scared to talk about it. Do what feels natural and then be the adult. You know, you've brought up this idea of play before and how important that is. And I think that's always a good reminder for me. You know, we often get stuck in the the doing, the learning, the doing the program, doing the learning. We forget that sometimes the, the playful pieces and the fun is part of the learning. And so that I, I don't ever want to lose sight of that. So Ashley, how about you? Bring it on home for us for you with your three. Well, Maria, you took some of mine. So oh, no, it's okay. Maybe uh, we should compare notes. I know <laughs> this is when uh, when you go first, you get to do the list first. No, um, I think similar, but different. I think we, we took away similar things, but I appreciate your, your lens you vocalized earlier. So I think my first takeaway is that we've talked about it already here in segment three, but the idea that youth need to learn to fail. Uh, we just talked about that, right. And, and making sure that 
you know, Maria, or excuse me, uh, Michelle had said, you know, her theme for the year was safe and included. That goes hand in hand, right? So providing an opportunity for youth to fail in a safe space and um, and and do that now versus as they get to be full grown adults and and it's real world time and and uh, those things are can cause other other problems, other challenges. So helping youth learn to fail in a in a safe and included way um, and deal with disappointment. I also think I wrote down also be an adult and I and I appreciated those comments from Michelle and for me that takeaway was to to be that good adult and to model some of that. And that, you know, it's not just about me. It's not just about my day to day. It's, it's also being that good adult for other, other people and other youth. And then lastly, it is this idea of how do we, so it's really a question. How do we as adults who are working with youth take care of ourselves so that we can be that caring adult? How do we self-care and, and, and allow ourselves to be there for the youth that we serve. So I think that's probably a broader topic. That's something that we need to explore maybe a little further, and maybe we can have Michelle back to talk, talk a little bit more about that. Um, I think it's important that we, we think about how this relates to adults as well as, as youth and and mental health and and adults. So that's my three. Well, I appreciate that we did have similar, but not same. I will say I'm kind of being rogue and saying that I forgot one that makes it four. So I hope you'll indulge I don't know. me. Lots of rules here on PYD. No, no, we have no rules. That's not true. <laughs> well, you know, I always say I'm into rules, but not norms. Maybe this is a norm that we're breaking, right? And I also loved when she was talking about security blankets and superpowers. And so I just want to kind of end on that note that we create that security or are that give them the tools to create their own quote unquote security blanket so that they're empowered to be the superheroes they can be and to lean into whatever superpower they possess and drape that blanket around them like a cape to um, make their, their way in the world. I love that image. I love thinking about how as youth development practitioners, we can help them make their own blanket. Like maybe we don't have to be that blanket for them. We teach them how to make it. They own it. They take it with them and it becomes their cape as they fly out into the world to be superheroes. So that was probably my favorite uh, image from today. And one that's going to keep on coming up in my brain as I continue to interact with youth. I think that's an excellent way to to end our youth mental health episode of PYDN3. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll hope you listen in next time.